you know, I've never met an artist who felt like he was any good. <laughs> it's like we're all, you can always see the distance you've got to go. And you can always see what's wrong before you see what's right. Um, so it, it, it is a funny thing. I think if, if we were that confident and that self-assured, it would stop us reaching and stop us getting better. I think there's an element of you need to not think you're so great because that is what keeps you reaching. The second you think you're amazing is the second you stop improving. Hey, welcome to another Comics First podcast. I'm Nicole Herview. Uh, you might know me from my other podcast, Nerd Jersey, or for my comics reporting for Mashable, but now I'm writing for Comics First doing a bunch of reviews, interviews, other cool stuff, which reminds me, you can find a ton of great interviews just like this one at comicsverse.com. Today I'm talking to Liam Sharp, who just wrote and drew and did all the stuff for The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman. Liam, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm very busy, uh, but I'm just having the best time. I'm, I'm uh, sort of halfway through issue four now, and it's getting, uh, it's getting to the real meat of the story, so uh, I'm having a lot of fun. Amazing. No, that sounds awesome. Can you just uh, tell us real quick what, what the concept is for this story? I have a big passion for Irish mythology. It's something I shared with my uh, late father-in-law, but it, it goes way back to when I was a kid and I used to be really into myths, and Greek mythology and Roman mythology and pretty much everything like that. And I kind of thought, what about more local like Celtic mythology? I didn't know much about it. And I realized that a lot of people didn't either you know so i started looking into that and it, it became a sort of passion uh, as i grew older so i've always wanted to tell a story that was based in the, in the sort of fairy realm and the, with the, the fomorians and the tuatha de danon and all of this great irish uh, mythology basically when i finished the, my run on wonder woman and greg uh, stepped away to to concentrate on he had so much work going on something had to give and he was so proud of the run so he he stepped away and left me kind of going, oh, I'm not ready to finish. <laughs> I need to do some more. Uh, so I spoke to the editorial team and said, you know, I, I want to do something more with Diana. And they said, well, you know, pitch something top down. And I said, well, I've always wanted to do something with this Celtic mythology. What do you think? And they said, well, it sounds great. We haven't got anything like that. So uh, pitch it and let's see what happens. Uh, so the premise is basically Tin and Erg is the fairy realm. Diana has been brought in by the horned god Canoons because everything's getting a little bit out of hand there. They need help. They need an ambassador of peace. They need somebody to help calm everything down and figure out the best way to move forward. And in the time when Canoons is coming to get Diana, by the time they get back, one of the main kings of the uh, of the Fomorians has been has, has seemingly been killed. Then she's stuck with the situation of like, okay, well, I'm an ambassador and peacemaker and all of these things, but I'm not a detective, so I need a detective. And of course, who's the first detective she's going to go to? It's uh, it's got to be Batman. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds sounds like an interesting story. And I was I was just talking to Justin about how how that there's there's like a um a genre bend almost because of the the nature of Celtic mythology. It's almost like where fantasy comes from, it's rooted in that with fairies and everything. Um, do you find that? Do you mm -hmm. feel like you're kind of exploring a new genre that maybe comics really hasn't explored yet and probably should? Well, it'd be nice to think so, wouldn't it? It'd be great. I mean, I'm definitely leaving uh, the doors open for more opportunities to explore 
this this world and this kind of material. So you know, it, it, it's got a, it's definitely got a fantasy element. A few people have said you can understand Diana being in that world, but it seems weird having Batman in there. But then, you know, he's he's regarded as a knight so often, and actually he's he's really appropriate to it. And ultimately, they're both about truth, so they have that in common. And this is all this story is very much about getting to the the truth of the matter. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it, and and um, I'm really, I am really excited to see Batman in that world, and and I mean they're they're both amazing characters, and seeing them explore different uh, worlds is always fun. But I had a question about the mm-hmm. the title because Brave and the Bold is is usually a Batman title, but I've heard that this is more of more of a Wonder Woman story. If that is so, well, why the why the title? Back in the day, it wasn't a Batman thing. It did become that. When I pitched it, it wasn't the Brave and the Bold. It was a standalone. Really, it was primarily for me to do another Diana story, but let's bring Batman in because of the nature of the investigation. So in that sense, it was Diana. It's Diana sort of centric. It feels to me very much like it comes off the back of my Wonder Woman run. So in my mind, it's like a directly, it's directly after I finish, they go into this story. So I guess in that sense, you know, it's it's Wonder Woman first, but they they both serve uh, their own roles within the story. You know, they they both have a purpose and they work together as a team, one to calm, and the other to investigate. Yes, yeah, so it's a, it's a two hander, and, and why not? You know, it's 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 about time Wonder Woman was leading these kinds of stories. You know. Yeah, and and I did want to talk about them as a. As a team, because Batman and Wonder Woman are are explored a lot, both as just you know platonic team members, and as as yeah. romantic partners. So, so what do you think it is that makes these two such a great team? Whether whether they're playing whichever role they are, but um, what is it in these characters, in the nature of their characters, that makes them go together so well? Well, she's a sort of princess of light, and he's a knight of darkness. You know. Um, but ultimately, they're both about truth, and they're both about discovering. You know, the, it, it, there's an ethical basis to both the characters. Neither of them will kill, unless you know, it's absolutely necessary. I, you, you you can't imagine either of that's not in their ethics to do that. So they both have this extremely strong moral core. Batman's almost created his own island, you know, with the Batcave. He's cut off from reality in some ways. So there's, he's got a, it's not the same as Themyscira, but there's an essence of that fish out of water that he's a, a alone in the world in, this, in a similar way to she is. He has to do things through a whole different set of, you know, he has to have tools to help him survive in, in, in this crazy superpowered world that he finds himself part of. Uh, she doesn't have to worry about that so much. But he, he has skills that none of the rest of the, the Justice League have, and that is his uh, analytical mind and his genius there. So in, within this story, it's quite interesting because the question then is like, how does a person who's used to our world, which is without magic, which is the rules are very sort of straightforward if you know you're, you know how physics works and chemistry works and everything like that, then you can figure stuff out uh, using your brain and using tools that work in our world. In in a fairy world where there's magic and there's all sorts of other problems, then he has to find a whole different set of tools 
and think in a slightly different way about how it's going to approach things. So, you know, they, they I think they're a really good complement to each other. They have known each other for a long time. So it was, she doesn't spend any time sort of thinking who else could it be. For a while, actually, early on, I was thinking maybe it would be nice to have uh, Barbara Minerva come in, you know, um, and have mm. Cheetah in there. But uh, ultimately, it was like she needed a detective, not an archaeologist. So it ended up it ended up being Batman for practical reasons as much as anything else. Right. You got to do what the story is asking you to do, right? As much as I would love to see Cheetah in there, that, that absolutely makes a ton of sense to me. I always yeah. like to hear uh, what what writers uh, think the heart or the kernel of the story is, not only to them, but to each of the main characters. Like at the end of the day, if Diana were retelling the story or, or Bruce were retelling the story, what what is the the heartbeat of the story? What makes us want to hear more about it? You know what I mean? I think what it is, is there's a parallel between what the Amazons experience on Themyscira and that cut-off existence and what these people have experienced in uh, Tin and Og, the fairy realm. Basically, the concept is that this realm has been cut off from the world for a very long time. And time also passes slower there. So they've been trapped for uh, just eons in this very kind of confined environment it you get a big tour around it actually in issue three so they they go on a they you know they jump on a couple of horses and diana takes him around this realm and they get to see that it is they get to see the edges of it really and so she has enormous empathy for these people that are basically getting stir crazy and need to get out and want to get out uh, and or you know she has to try and figure out what the best way for them to move forward is before, but before she can even do that, she's trying to solve the crime so that she can calm things down a little bit and get them to think a bit more clearly. But really at the end of it is she has just enormous empathy to their situation. Yeah, it's, it, I definitely see the parallels there. And, and she's an empathetic person as it is. Right. So yeah. That, there's that added layer for sure. So stepping back a little bit into just what you've what you've done in the industry and and you've done a lot of amazing work with with both of these characters before. So what what is it that you get excited about? I know you spoke on this a little bit for this particular story, but for for stories in general and and to do the art for something, what what makes you excited to sit down and make a thing? You know, it's the fun for me is the world building and creating something new, you know, the particularly in issue three uh, and somewhat in issue four, you get to see a lot of these vast buildings and this uh, environment that's very, very unlike our world. And it has got a, a kind of Iron Age feel to it, but it's also got a magical feel to it. And there's, there's kind of, if, if, if you look at it, you'll see lots of little things in the background that give you a hint at, Otherworldliness, I guess, you know, there, there might be in the rocks a giant crouched, you know, kind of hiding quietly away in the background or in the trees you might see some sort of little pixie or, you know, some fairy being of some kind there. So it's populated with lots of, you know, fun little creatures looking on and watching what's unfolding. It, it's, it's, got a, it's got a little bit, you know, it's got some humor to it, isn't all uh, moody. There's a, 
a group of fomors that are, I, I found entertaining to write. They're in again. They appear for the first time in issue three, and there's accusations flying, and there's a little bit of a rumble. But I've I've tried to give it space and actually enjoy the environment, the the place itself. Tirnanog is as much a character as any of the characters, and I wanted to to give it as much scope and scale as I possibly could, and you know do epic but in the real sense of the word epic as in just size and volume that kind of stuff really excites me and just creating a look this kind of moldering stone that's everywhere and celtic knotwork and kind of a hint of iron age culture that's that's uh, vanishing into the past and is part of this world you know that stuff ex- excites me a lot but i would say that that's true for science fiction too if you get to create like uh, new worlds and new creatures and new uh, cultures that's that's the that's the real fun stuff for me right it's kind of like exploring the unknown right yeah i mean that's what makes it you know when i read a, a new book a, a great science fiction book or a great fantasy book or anything what it is is being shown something you're, you're not familiar with and being taken to a place that you don't know and becoming familiar with it and falling in love with it and feeling like you know it and if I can impart a little bit of that uh, when I'm telling a story then that's great I want I want people to want to go back you know and to feel that they've had a a good exploration too yeah I mean that's that's always the sign the sign of a good story and a good a good tale you speak a lot a lot about the visuals uh in there so do do those images come first and then you kind of build a story around it or, or how exactly does that work? Because you're taking care of both sides of it. So, yeah, which, which medium kind of comes first? You've got to have the plot beats first. Definitely escalate. It's an escalating story. But because Batman's there and because he can't really compete with these guys physically or even, you know, he hasn't got the, 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 the power to be able to deal with it. His, his role is, is to help them figure out what's going on it gets very very epic by the time we get to issue six it's it's, um it all ramps up so i i knew going in i I, when i when i pitched it i i pretty much plotted the whole thing out beat by beat so so that people would be able to see where the story goes because there's there is definitely it's 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 a it's a build there's it gets it's quite sedate you know there's there's a lot of arguing and a lot of infighting and a lot of tension, but it doesn't really explode until we get to sort of issue five, really. Um, there's there's little rumbles along the way. Yeah, stories are so often they sort of tell themselves. Sometimes, particularly if it's a, 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 I would like an investigation. When you're writing it, you create the situation, and you know your part of your process is is, is unearthing what the what the answer is and how, how you get there. And so, you know, in just trying different ideas until you come up with the solution that actually works is not unlike, you know, the process of going through the investigation yourself. You know, you're, you're definitely exploring. I, I didn't do I, the, the, I felt like I was also on a tour of the place with the characters. It sort of revealed itself to me as I was telling it and as, I, as I've been drawing it. But it, it, it's all come really quite sort of, naturally um and it's been i don't know it's been a delight actually it's been a delight for me to find this place and for it to reveal itself that's an odd thing i find that with i found that because i've written a couple of novels too and both of them 
when I wrote them were were uh, they revealed themselves to me as I wrote. I know some people are very buttoned down when they create a a, a plot and they will uh, you know really draw draw maps and mind maps and figure the whole thing out in some sort of map at the beginning. But I I tend to delight in sort of letting the stories sort of I got to channel themselves with it, not wishing to sound too sort of new agey, but it, it, it does feel a bit like that sometimes. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. So like, it kind of feels like the thing already exists and it's just working yeah. it through you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Definitely. You know, when you've got it right, you know, it's weird. It's like Canunis is the, the horned God. I drew him several times early on and I've been wanting to tell a character with this, uh, tell a story with this character for, um, forever. And, and I thought I had a real strong sense of him in my head. And when I first was sketching him, I just couldn't get him right. And then just one day it clicked and I was like, that's him. That's him. I I knew he was there, but, uh, I couldn't quite get it right. And, and I wasn't prepared to go with, with it in, you know, a prior version because it just, there's something in, um, my idea of, what he embodies and his size and his presence and his actually, you know, his scariness, but also his warmth. Cause he's a, he's not an um, evil God. He's kind of like Pan and he's kind of like uh, Bacchus and those very kind of fawn like creatures. You know, he's, he's a God of, of, uh, of nature and of fertility and of those kinds of things. So you want, you don't want him to be too scary. And in the end, he had a kind of almost a sense of like the ghost of Christmas present, you know, the big old, <laughs> that kind of bearded, yeah. you know, year long. Yeah. He's got that sort of vibe. Um, I, I, I love him. He's, he's become, you know, a, 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 I just think he's great. So it's fun. What a what a satisfying process to find like to have this this thing or this person be so real to you and then like finally see it on a page, that must be like so yeah. exciting for other people to see it. Like, do you get excited because this book, the first issue is coming out next week? So, do you like get really excited mm-hmm. for people to see it and like to share it with people and be like, look at this thing, like it's real. It's been in my <laughs> brain. It's real. <laughs> I think yeah. I- I'm, I am, of course, I'm, I'm extremely excited about this coming out. I'm, I'm terrified too because it's. Uh, I've written stuff that's kind of gone under the radar a bit. So, playing with characters as big as these, just the iconic characters, you know, there's people invest a lot into them and they have a lot of expectations. I don't know what they will think of this. It's, it is a. It's an unusual book. I think as long as you tell it with integrity, which I absolutely have, and you put your heart and soul into it, which I absolutely have then that's the best you can do. And I think you're right. I think it's okay to be excited about it. I think it's fine. Um, I definitely am. I sort of want all, all the issues to come out at once, you know, so, so, cause, cause I can't wait for people to see the, the pages I'm doing now. Cause even though I'm really proud of issue one, it's like, I felt like I grew, I've grown in the process of it. And, uh, to me, it's getting better and better and better as it goes along. So issue one is just like a, a taster of what's coming. I think. I think that that's what a good issue one is, though. Like, it should get you excited for, like, okay, I want more of this. I want more of this, and I want it better, and I want I want more of it. Just, you know what I mean? So I think right. that's, that's a good sign. I really do. And it's funny that you're, you're talking about being nervous, and you're, you're quite an accomplished person in this business. So as someone who, who loves comics and writes comics and reads comics, like, 
I know it's a thing for writers to be like, oh, I think my thing is great, but I wonder if other people are going to. And I've, I've always thought of that as something that writers and artists who are just starting out feel. Does that feeling ever go away? Or do, do, you, do you say, hey, I'm standing on my, on my own two feet. I know I'm good at this. And this <laughs> is thing. You know what I mean? You know, I've never met an artist who felt like he was any good. <laughs> it's like we're all, you can always see the distance you've got to go. And you can always see what's wrong before you see what's right. So it, it, it is a funny thing. I think if, if we were that confident and that self-assured, it would stop us reaching and stop us getting better. I, I think there's an element of you need to not think you're so great because that is what keeps you reaching. The second you think you're amazing is the second you stop improving. and The right. second the magic goes, I think, you know, and the light goes out a little bit. I think it's... Uh, most the most amazing artists I've ever known are some of the most timid and like doubt, self-doubting and uh, paranoid <laughs> people right. you could meet. But I get it. I get it. I get why they are, and I, I'm I'm the same. Right. I mean, I wonder if it's the hunger to be better that makes us make stuff. Like, I wonder if that's well, part of. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's. Uh, I think that's definitely. You know, the joy of creating is is. Uh, I don't know I, 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 if that diminishes and it just becomes a, a kind of by numbers thing that you do. Then I don't know how joyful it really is. The the act of reaching is is uh, such a big part of it. And if you surround yourself by great material, you know, and that's across all mediums, then. You know, you don't. I, most comic creators aren't necessarily inspired by other comics. They're inspired by things that happen in their lives. They're inspired by journeys that go on. They're inspired by great movies or music or, you know, a book they've written, uh, or they've read, or any number of uh, other things or, or particular passions. You know, whether it's mythology or whether it's science or whether it's the stars or whatever. It can, it can be any number of different things that that trigger something in you and make you want to create. For me, this has been gestating for so long. Um, mm. It's almost like a purging in a way. You know, it's like it's, it's finally finding its way out. And it, for all that it's almost been frustrating that I've wanted to do it for so long, I'm glad that it took so long because I think I'm only now just ready for it. I think I'm only now just kind of good enough to tell the story as I would have wanted to when I was an awful lot younger. No, that's great. I'm like so happy that you're getting to do it and you're, you're getting to put it out there. <laughs> well, uh, but is six issues enough? Is six issues enough for you to get this story out and be done with it? Or, or do you think maybe <laughs> this miniseries you might revisit it later or, or do a second part or, well, or something? My dream is that it's part one of a trilogy. Mm. So if it does really well, I would very much love to come back and tell, you know, two more uh, stories that use these characters and use uh, this environment. Absolutely, I'd love, I, I, I want to come back here. There's no question. But, you know, we'll see how it goes and we'll see. Uh, I, I'd have to figure out the stories for that as well. I, I, it, there's definitely uh, enough of an open end for that to be a possibility. So uh, let's hope it does well. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I, I sincerely do hope it does well. I'm very excited to read it. Oh, the book comes out next week, uh, February 21st. Where can people follow you on social media? 
I'm getting increasingly quiet on that because I'm just insanely busy, um, which is a good thing. But you can find me. I, I'm on Facebook. Uh, so it's just Liam Sharp. And there's Liam R. Sharp on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on there. So I, you know, I'll be continuing to to post art every now and again and uh, update people and let people, you know, sharing any uh, reviews and things like that. So yes, you can find me in all the usual places and also uh, Liam McCormack Sharp on uh, Instagram as well. Wonderful. So uh, the Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman out next week, February 21st. Thank you so much, Liam. I really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.